Well, happy dad jokes day. <laughs> uh, some of us revel in dad jokes, yeah? Well, really is a fun time for us to, to be together and, um, and just to recognize that we're called into relationship with our Heavenly Father. You know, Jesus came to show us the way to the Father. And you'll see Jesus interacting with his disciples in John chapter 14. And he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He came to show us the way to Father. And so often we, we don't realize that our relationship is through Jesus and a connection back to our Heavenly Father, that we've been adopted into the family. We're no longer orphans, but we belong. We're sons and daughters of the Most High. And so on this special day, Father's Day, we wanted to take the opportunity to just talk a little bit as leadership couples about our own fathers and our own experiences, what we could learn from it, talk through some of our, our memories, and, and also then just see how that has impacted in terms of our relationship with Heavenly Father. Now... Perhaps just it's good for us at the outset just to recognize that none of us are perfect fathers. There is only one perfect father, and that's our heavenly father. And, and so we, we acknowledge that all of our human relationships are riddled with all kinds of a mixture. There's fantastic highlight moments, and of course there have also been some disappointments and this is just part of living on the earth. And, and so we don't want to um, put anybody down or in any way that there's any condemnation or, or even perhaps some of you just watching from your home and you're kind of thinking, oh my goodness, how could I ever match up to that? Or I didn't have a great earthly father. You know, I've been maimed in some way. Please, in no way in our conversation this morning, are we wanting you to come under any sense of condemnation or, or anything like that? But we just thought it would be great for us as leadership couples just to reflect on, on how we experienced our earthly dads and how that impacted our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And so it's great in studio today to have uh, Daryl and Phil and of course uh, Lisa joining me as well. And uh, so we just wanted to take the opportunity just to have some conversation. And uh, so, Phil, uh, good to see you. Uh, it's been such a long time because yeah. of lockdown <laughs> and, um, and being a, a mom again. And uh, so lots of uh, experiences that you've had. Mm -hmm. But um, perhaps you could kick the ball off and just tell us a little bit about some of your childhood experiences. Sure, yeah. Thanks for having us. It's so great to be here and be out the house, <laughs> away from the kids. Of course. <laughs> you know, I love delving into the memories of my childhood and my relationship with my dad. And um, none of us particularly have a huge number of memories from when we were especially young. And so I really feel that the memories from when we were really young are obviously of ones that had an impact. Right. And one of my... Um, favorite memories or strong memories of my dad is being really small. So I uh, must have been about three or four years old at Vic Bay in George and swimming in the ocean with my dad. And so obviously I couldn't swim. 
And my dad took me out to a point where I think the water must have been up to his chest. So way beyond a comfortable depth for a little baby. And he was like throwing me in the waves. And I remember being terrified. (laughs) I can remember the fear, being absolutely crippled with fear. But at the same time, being so aware of how big and strong and in control my dad was in that environment. And just feeling so safe in his arms, you know, and just a way that even though there was all this fear, um, there wasn't a need to give in to the fear or be, you know, afraid of the fear, you know, and that I was so safe and secure with my loving dad, um, you know, and I really feel like that is such a foundation of re- my relationship with my dad, that he's my safe place. And so, yeah, how that forms your relationship with your dad as a child and how you relate to him. And so, yeah, at least, I don't know, do you have childhood memories like that that really stand out for you and formed your relationship. Yeah, that's such an incredible picture, Phil. Um, I think there's a painting there. <laughs> <laughs> of course there is. <laughs> um, but on the 15th of February this year, my dad died. And, um, and in writing his eulogy, I had this memory. And um, I was about eight and my brother was four. And we had one swing at the bottom of the garden and we fought over the swing almost daily. But this was a Sunday morning and uh, we were bickering and arguing and who was going to swing. And finally, my dad came down to this commotion and he disciplined us. And that discipline hurt. And, um, and my brother and I were in a room crying loudly and... Um, I remember looking at my brother and his sort of cries and wails had come to an end and I thought mine should too. And uh, my dad walked into the room and he put each of us on his knee and put our little hands in his hands. And he looked at us and he said, I love you and I don't want you to fight over the swing anymore. And, um, And as you say, you know, you remember some things and you forget most things, but but that really, really stuck in my mind. And um, my parents got divorced a year later, and um, they had quite a toxic relationship, so it came as a relief. (laughs) Um, But we would visit him every second weekend, and while we waited with our weekend bags um, for him one weekend, I had a tennis racket, and um, I was sort of bouncing the tennis ball on this racket. And um, he came and said hi, and he said, how many times can you bounce the tennis ball without dropping it? I said, about 20. He said, I want you to practice until you can do 100. (laughs) Now, I knew I didn't see him very often, so I said, and then what? (laughs) You know, I'm expecting a reward. And he said, "Um, then I want you to bounce it one hand up, one hand underneath, until you can do 100 of those. I knew it was impossible. But... (laughs) Um, he was he was quite a good sports sportsman, and um, I think that little exercise um, allowed me to follow in his footsteps because I also became a provincial squash player. So um, so that was a, another memory. But in the early childhood years, um, there was domestic violence and and abuse towards my mom, and and those things are scarring and um, and can be seared in your in your memory. But in in reflecting on some of those things, I think difficult times, disappointing relationships really drive you in one of two directions. They can drive you away from God or they can drive you towards him. 
and I certainly knew I needed a greater love, and it drove me towards him. Daryl, do you have any memories? I do, but I, I, I love that I'm learning new things. I had no idea that you played provincial squash. <laughs> wow. All new levels of respect. I thought you were just a, a, a painter, you know. That's where you get that steady so hand from. I'm just going to jump in with a dad joke now because I don't let Lisa sit on me, otherwise I'm going to get squashed. <laughs> oh, wow, that's, that's, yeah, very cool. Well done, Lisa, being a provincial sports, sportswoman, wow. Um, but yeah, I got, I got many memories, and, and funny enough, many of them refer to sports. Uh, so I really have a, a great dad. Um, and we got a got a great relationship still, and so many of my memories of my dad are, are, are growing up on the sports field. I think I was probably three or four um, when I remember being on the sidelines. But I think I was four years old when I I joined the soccer club because my dad was coaching my older brother's soccer team, the under six team or something, and I just wanted to play. And so they somehow snuck me into the team. And so I mean those are very distant memories from when I was really small, but but fond memories of, of being on the sports field. And that started from, yeah, literally when I was three or four years old um, playing right up until, uh, still we play golf and stuff. But yeah, many of the memories would be on the soccer field on a Saturday or Sunday morning. Um, and then as we grew older, that then turned into uh, playing baseball. So my, my dad was a, a national baseball player in South Africa. I, I know it's odd, but um, it turned out to be probably one of my favorite sports. And one of the, the highlights, I think, for, for me of you know, my relationship with my dad was uh, when I was a, a kind of a young adult in my early 20s was, was playing baseball in the same team with him. We had a kind of a, a social um, semi-competitive team and so we used to play in the same team together and uh, and yeah I had, had lots of fun but I mean yeah we, we'd spend a lot of time together doing sports we'd, we'd go cycling we did a number of Arguses and 94.7s together um, we, we also did um, a lot of golf so I mean yeah Growing up, it was every Saturday or Sunday, we were either cycling, we were playing golf, we were playing baseball. We, we were doing something um, active together. And, uh, and oftentimes when we were younger, my dad was, was the coach. And then uh, the, the next part is uh, probably the, the second love that he introduced me to is, is snow skiing. And uh, yeah, I went on our first snow skiing trip when I was uh, seven years old and uh, then went again when I was 18. And, and from there, just fell in love with it and and so yeah many things that I, I love today are, are you know because of my relationship with my dad and doing all those fun things from from when I was a, a real little lighty running around on the sports field kicking a ball and and having having lots of fun so yeah lots of fun memories um with with my dad and we still play the odd game of golf every now and then um so yeah lots of fun and lots of good memories but uh, yeah, I mean, John, I, I grew up, so I mean, the context also of my, my family is we were a, a non-religious family, and so that's why I could do all those things on a Sunday morning. <laughs> you grew up in a slightly different, uh, different family. I would love to hear some, some of your memories of your dad. Yeah, everything was around Sunday morning, <laughs> pretty much growing up. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I regard myself as being phenomenally blessed. And, you know, we, we look at so many um, families where uh, there's kind of like a, a tendency to stick within, say, like a, a particular area of expertise or sport or whatever it is. You know, and you watch like families have like a family business or whatever. 
And church is never meant to be a family business in that sense of it being a business, but it's meant to be a family thing. And uh, so that was something that was really um, so good for us. Um, you know, I, I think for me, I was particularly uh, blessed because my dad actually was my hero. And um, he's 88 years uh, young <laughs> uh, at the moment, and um, he's still my hero. And I think that that's just an amazing uh, testimony. So I am particularly fortunate, and I know that not many people can say that about their dads. Um, and so I know that I'm in a, a very special category, and I, I really treasure that. So that for me... Is a, is a wonderful thing to cherish. Mm. Um, there was a time when I was, you know, in, in my teenage years, and, and I call them my Ecclesiastes um, days, when, you know, like life is meaningless, you know, what's this all about? And, and just on the sort of search and quest for, for life and, and meaning. And, you know, I looked at, at all this stuff, and it wasn't making a, a lot of sense to me at that particular time. You know, you just go through those, you know, teenage years. But I, even though I felt, and obviously it's not true, but it's my, my feeling was that God was distant and, you know, I couldn't really find him and know him or whatever. But I looked at the life and the integrity and the reality of my dad's walk with God. And I said, man, because I know my dad, if it's true for him, then it must be true. And that actually became like a, like a pillar for me to hold on to in my time of sort of like faith crisis. Wow. So, so that's one, one memory. Um, I, I know that um, there were times when, when we didn't have a lot uh, financially in the house. My, my dad had um, been in business in the banking sector in, in his younger years, and then he, he, um, he, he turned uh, into uh, serving in a, in a ministry. And uh, in, in those days, in the, the 60s and then obviously into the 70s, uh, there wasn't a lot of um, understanding around the release of resource for, for kingdom activity. And uh, so there wasn't a lot of money going around. But I remember one day, um, I think I was playing for the, the under-13 B team. You know, I wasn't a fantastically good rugby player because I was, I was a tiny, tiny little chap. So it all makes sense. So that's where the boys get their sportsing talent from. It's from Lisa, not <laughs> from definitely, you. Definitely from Lisa. Um, they, they don't get the Look, my, my dad was a brilliant hockey player and... Now the grandsons have picked that up as well. But um, my dad trying to encourage me, even though I was a skinny little chap, uh, he bought me a, a rugby ball. And so I was one of the few guys in primary school to have his own leather rugby ball, wow. which is kind of like a phenomenal thing that my dad would do for me, even though there wasn't a lot of money at the time. It made a massive um, impact on my life because... Uh, it, it was a sacrifice in order for him to do that for me. Uh, and, I, and it was just a way of, of showing his support and his encouragement and, and so on, even though, um, as I said, I wasn't the, the, the best rugby player. Um, one of the other things I got from my dad wasn't aversion to fixing things. So, um, <laughs> so um, 
You know, I'm just not mechanically minded at all, and I think I inherited that from my dad as well. So, you know, I just can't, you know, you walk around a car and you kick the tires, and that's about as much as, you, you know, you, you know what's going on. I know where to put the petrol in. Um, I think I've got an idea where the oil goes. I'm not 100% sure. I think there's a battery in there somewhere. Um, but, yeah, so... <laughs> Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if this gets passed on to the next generation as well. Hopefully uh, not. Oh, oh, my. We're, we're, we're hoping to see if we can do something. John, um, I love what you were sharing about, um, and I can really relate to what you were sharing about, how your dad's faith and his character and his relationship with the Lord really, in a sense, pointed you to the Lord and helped you to not question the reality of God. Because I have a very similar Wow. experience and that my dad um he wasn't a major church leader but he um unequivocally said as for me and my house we will serve the lord and that was an unwavering truth in our home and you know that was the standard and um i also went on, i went on quite a major roundabout path as a teenager what <laughs> never oh. <laughs> yeah i explored okay. some other avenues and mm. it was, i can honestly sit here today and say it's because of my dad's unwavering faith yeah. and his um steadfast loyalty to the lord and the reality of his relationship with the Lord that I knew that Father was pursuing me and he was real and I had to keep coming back to that truth. Um, yeah, and so it's because of my dad that I still sit here today and have a relationship with the Lord that's real. And so I'm so, so grateful for my dad for that. Uh, I think that's a, a wonderful insight there, Phil. You know, some of us, we wondering in terms of, you know, are we... Um, a good enough uh, parent and you know what kind of impact and influence are we having on our children you know because every single one of us has to go through our own journey mm-hmm. um, I, I can't remember if it was Derek Prince or maybe might have been Cory Ten Boom but anyway one of these great legends in the charismatic renewal in the 1970s they said, God has got no grandchildren, only children. Mm. Uh, in the sense that we all have to find our own relationship spiritually with our Heavenly Father. And we can't live it out or walk it out through our parents. Now, we impacted and influenced by our, our parents' faith in their lives. Um, but it's not purely dependent on our parents' faith. Yeah. And so for me as a, as a father now, uh, in some ways that's uh, a bit of a, it's both an encouragement and a relief in the sense that, you know, can I do things that can impact and influence uh, my children's lives, but also knowing that it's not purely up to me to be a perfect father because, I mean, it's just, you know, not really possible in the sense that, hey, I can make mistakes and I do make mistakes. And, you know, um, uh, one or two, hey, hey babes? <laughs> Just It was only two that we can remember. Um, we, we have memory issues. Um, forgetting all that lies behind. <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, sometimes I think as parents, maybe we're a little bit hard on ourselves that we, we, we put, I'm uh, Daryl, I don't know. Um, how it would be for you uh, coming into 
um, uh, you know, like a, a strong relationship of faith, you know, in, in uh, let, you know, more your adult years, um, how, how that might impact your, your thinking. Yeah, it's actually an interesting story, John. That um, I don't know if I've told you the story, but there was an encounter once where we had a, a group of Bethel students. So this was probably I'd, I'd, I'd been saved for you know less than a handful of years, and, and there was a group of students, and uh, it was a meeting here in our old Sapphire Auditorium, and uh, the meeting had ended, but there was just kind of ministry and stuff taking place. And one of the Bethel students pulled a, a few of the young guys together and said, come, we're going to do something fun. And, and got us all into a little circle and started praying for us. And, uh, and basically what he did was he facilitated an encounter with, with Father God. And, um, and he took us through this whole journey, this whole process. And as I'm going through this whole journey and process, the, the final kind of part of this, this encounter with the Lord was, um, you know, looking at Father God and having this connection with Father God. And, and I was able to look at Jesus and I was able to encounter Holy Spirit. But as I got to Father God, um, I, I felt like there was this barrier, this, this kind of like something, something was, there was a disconnect. And I was obviously, you know, concerned that this isn't good. What's going on? Am I, am I broken? Is there something wrong with me? And as just, you know, exploring with the Holy Spirit, what, you know, why could I not connect with Father God in that way? Um, I think I, I learned that I, I, I hadn't positioned myself as a son in, in many aspects in a church environment because it was foreign for me. I, you know, the, the concept of having, having leadership and, and possibly, you know, spiritual fathers and mothers was something that was, you know, a completely different paradigm. So, um, but as I then learned and, and started to position myself as a son, um, I think in the house here at, at Breakthrough to, to you and to, to other leaders, and as I chose to position myself as a son to Father God, I, I felt... Almost straight away, I was then able to connect with Father God in in a in a much easier way, and in a, I think in a, a healthier way. Yeah. And so, yeah, that for me was a, a an interesting journey, one that that I uh, yeah I cherish that that encounter and, and and what happened. And I think that's often the problem with with many folk who struggle in 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 their walk with the Lord, and that they don't position themselves as sons and daughters. They, you know, sometimes it's easy to point fingers and say, you know, in the church there's no moms and dads, or you know, I struggle to connect with Father God. I think I think the bigger problem is that we need to position ourselves as sons and daughters um, to to the Lord, and that often looks like I think for me at, at least it looked like positioning myself as a as a son um, to 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 other men and women as well, and then that also kind of seemed to kind of open the door to connect with Father God as well. So, yeah, that for me was, was great. Um, Phil, do you want to? Yeah, um, I was thinking earlier about my, my father's unwavering loyalty and steadfastness in his relationship with the Lord. And for me, as a rebellious teenager, that was a negative experience. So I experienced that as you have to go to church, you have to do all these things, you have to be a Christian. And it was, um, I rebelled against that. And I didn't position myself as a daughter. And you were sharing also about um, before in the join between worship, you were sharing about receiving the Father's love. And for many years, I rejected my Father's love because of my own rebellion. And I really had to come to a place of humility and saying, you know what, if I want to be a daughter and I want to relate to Father God, I have to 
actually position myself as a daughter and I have to receive his love and I have to submit as well to the authority of a father um, and to work through that healing process of forgiving my own father and um, where so often it was my misconceptions and my immaturity and my rebellion that was putting him on a in a position of a negative connotation when actually it was his own action, that very action that was the reason that I'm actually able to believe in Father God and relate to him and know that he's real. And so often how our, our positioning and the attitude we choose to have um, is the change point in receiving from Father and relating to Father. Wow, wow that's so good. Um, when... Daryl, you were talking about encountering Father God. I remembered quite a few years ago now an encounter I had um, where there was this wall between me and and Father God, and and um, I looked at it. I knew it, it, it looked like solid ice almost. If if you can imagine um, an encounter, so things are not as as real as they are, you know, in in everyday life. But I walked towards it, and as I walked towards this wall, it was actually a waterfall, and it wasn't a solid water, and I could just walk through it. It it wasn't a barrier at all, although it looked like a barrier. It looked like a wall. And as I walked through, there was no more barrier. There was nothing between us. And, And I was reminded of how much I learned through that encounter um, he's done so much for us. Um, in fact, you could almost say he's done everything. But we do have a part to play. Imagine if I'd never had that encounter and never walked through, um, never realized that there's nothing between us. There is no wall. There is no separation. Um, so we have a part to play to accept everything he's done, to engage and embrace. And, and for me, that started at salvation. Um, our salvation, he has done everything. Um, it's our part to accept that my sin is forgiven. Um, he takes it away and we are clean. There is no barrier. There is no wall. And we can then accept, engage, and embrace everything he has for us. Such a powerful truth. Wow. Thank you, Lisa, for sharing that. John? Yeah, I I'm, just want to pick up on a couple of thoughts. I'm, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, we can carry on for hours here. <laughs> I'm really enjoying this. And um, so uh, we might have to have like part one, part two, and part, I don't know how many. But, you know, sometimes... Just as we have to forgive our earthly fathers because of either the disappointments or the perceptions that we have, um, it's not like our heavenly father has done anything wrong ever because he's perfect in all of his ways. But sometimes we actually have to come into a place of letting go of some of our disappointments when things didn't turn out the way we wanted them to yeah. turn out. And there's a sense in which we have to release that uh, in terms of our imperfect um, expectations 
on God and we hold them against him like he didn't come through for us. And we're trying to see things from our perspective. And it's not like he needs our forgiveness, but something happens in terms of releasing those disappointments and hurts that we actually can allow healing to come in to our own own lives. And, you know, regardless of who we are and how good or indifferent our relationship has been with our earthly father, every single one of us are going to face something in life where we're feeling like, hey, this didn't turn out the way we'd hoped it would. And um, so I think, you know, sometimes doing a little bit of internal heart work um, is, is really very necessary. So good. And as, as parents of, of little Lees, um, you know, I think as you're just sharing there, John, I was thinking to me being a father of, of our little girls, and if we let them get their way the whole time, well, it, it wouldn't be healthy for them because all they'd want to do is watch TV and eat sweets and, and that. They'd be happy in and, their and minds. And the problem with that is what now? Come on now, what is that problem? But I think it's the same thing with our relationship with Father God. Is, is Sometimes we have this expectation of this is what we want in life. And so Father God must now you know, meet these expectations to fulfill my desire or, or whatever it might be. And in the same way that we have to tell our you know, our three-year-old Sarah, like, no, you can't just have sweets or no, you can't just watch TV all day and we have to put some boundaries in place and, and, and give almost some discipline um, to, to lead her into health and, and, and what's best for her. She in that moment can't see this is what's best for me and so sometimes throws a tantrum or, or so. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think she hasn't got the maturity to, to know and I guess as we grow in our maturity with Father God, we realize okay, perhaps some of these hurts or disappointments were coming from my place of immaturity in the, my walk with the Lord and that I didn't fully see that actually what, what Father was doing was what was good and healthy for me. Um, and I just wanted my way, not seeing that God actually had, had you know, the bigger picture and was doing what was best for me. Um, so, yeah, I love that. I think there's a, another aspect as play, at play as well. And if I link it back to that memory I shared right in the beginning of being so safe and secure in my father's arms and yet still experiencing the fear. Mm. And I think that the enemy often is at play as well. And he's trying to twist and distort what happens and distort the truth um, in situations. So there's what's really happening and there's what God's trying to do. And then there's the enemy trying to lie to you. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, um, you know, in that memory, the fear was very real, but I also felt absolutely safe. And I think often we focus on the fear and we get distracted by the lies of the enemy in situations. And Sarah could very easily, when we're disciplining her or saying no more sweets or TV, she can very easily get caught up in that moment and say, oh, but my parents don't love me. My parents don't have my best intentions at heart or, you know, whatever it is for your scenario. Um, but actually the truth is to be like, I know my father. I know he's good. I know his character. So what is the truth in this situation? Even if I'm feeling the fear, I know I'm safe. I know he's protecting me. Um, and to really control our thought life, you know, and to be um, conscious and aware of what voices we're listening to as we process stuff with our fathers. Uh, I think that discipline story um, 
taught me, because it's strange that I remembered that moment, it taught me that discipline comes from a heart of love. Um, and that discipline is for reconciliation. Um, you know, particularly in our relationship with God, because sin does separate us. Um, all our own uh, thought processes can separate us from him. But when we um, are on the journey of reconciliation, whether it requires discipline um, or mercy or whatever it requires, um, ultimately God is always reconciling us back to and towards himself. Wow. So. Oh, that's brilliant. I think, you know, on connecting these two little segments here in terms of controlling our thought life, and uh, and recognizing that Father has a reconciliatory approach to us and to this world is that we um, we dispel the lies of the enemy when things aren't turning out the way we'd like them to turn out. That actually God doesn't love me, mm. you know. And I think that that happens to us, you know, when we. You, we can think back to we were tiny little kids and we were, you know, sent to our room and, oh, I hate you, kind of attitude creeps into, you know, and, and that kind of that negative, it's a lying thought, actually, because it's not the truth. And, and sometimes as adults, we can be that way with our Heavenly Father mm-hmm. when the finances are not there, when somebody we love gets sick and perhaps doesn't get well. You know, that we want to turn around and it's not fair. And, and we, we almost throw a little tantrum uh, against our Heavenly Father because it didn't work out the way we wanted it to work out. Yeah. And, and then it's easy f- for the enemy to sow in some seeds of doubt and negativity as to the, the perfection of God's heart and His intentions towards us. And, uh, and then we can separate ourselves. It's a choice we make to separate ourselves away from God, thinking, because we believe the lie, therefore thinking that he's unsafe to be around or I'll just make my own plan or, you know, God's not trustworthy. And, uh, and so to recognize that the enemy is prowling around seeking whom he may devour. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's a luring of us from the place of safety, which is within his boundaries. We move outside of that boundary into a place of doubt and unbelief. And then the enemy can actually grab a hold of us. And, um, you know, and then when the enemy's chomping on us, then we kind of like, God, where are you? <laughs> but actually we... Put ourselves in that place of um, of danger or vulnerability, or actually we we, we ran towards the the, the enemy um, in in some kind of rebellious. Well, I'll you know I'll show you, um, which is just really childish, and uh, and God wants us to be childlike but not childish in that petulant uh, rebellious way. So. Um, 
I'm just mindful that um, it, it's Father's Day and a bunch of people have got some really special lunches planned, whatever. So we, we're just going to bring our, our conversations to a close um, for, for this time. But maybe let's reflect positively now. What are some of the things that have benefited us in our walk with our Heavenly Father because of what we've seen through our earthly fathers? Got some start, thoughts? Yeah. yeah. Um, so going back to my rebellious years, um, in all the horrible things I did as a teenager, my father never stopped loving me and he never stopped pursuing my heart. He, he didn't always get it right. He didn't always get my love language right, whatever. He was a human father. But I can see key times in my teenage years where my dad reached out to me, took me on a date, took me to sit and talk at the park. Um, you know, he... Whatever it was, he was extremely intentional in pursuing my heart and trying to find out what was going on in my head and pursuing me. And it's because of that that when I walked away from the Lord, I knew Father God was still pursuing me. And he really did. You know, he came after me. He pulled me out of my lost ways. Um, it was 100% his doing. And it, that was so beautifully modeled to me by my earthly father um, in the way that he loved me unconditionally. This is scary. We're hearing about the pastor who had his rebellious time now. Now my wife who ran away from the Lord. All of the stuff being exposed in this conversation. <laughs> Please, I'd love to hear some of your, yeah, your just, learning. Um, that he's always fighting for us. And sometimes that realization comes out of difficult times uh, where we've had to try and figure out something whether it's a circumstance or a relationship, but when we, we um, force ourselves into God's heart, we realize how much He was doing and how much um, we can rely and depend on Him. He is ever-present. I don't think I mentioned, but I really I had an absent father. I have some great memories, but I, I had an absent father. And so when I found Father God, um, I, I, I most... And, and so whatever we needing, we most value him. But he is not absent, ever present. And so it was a very easy transition for me because um, I, I really was driven towards a very loving, kind father. And that's what I found. And it was, it was, it was satisfying, to say the least. Um, but he's also our champion. Um, and, and in a sense, my dad was a champion on, on the sports field. Um, he championed me. He gave me that little exercise at the right time. Um, but God is a champion of, a champion of, of every aspect of our lives. Mm. And, um, yeah. But we need to find him in that way. Um, as well. And so I loved reflecting on this because our part is so crucial. While he's done almost everything, it's interesting to see how we engage in what we discover. Uh, because if we don't, we don't discover more mm. of who he is. So I agree, there's a lot, a lot to this. <laughs> there's a lot more to say, but that's it for now. So good. I, uh, 
I loved what you said, Lisa, in your story, your memory of your dad, how when he was teaching you with the, the racket to bounce the ball a hundred times on, on either side and how you, you said, you know, it was, was impossible. But I think that's what Father God does is he, he leads us and he takes us into things that are impossible for us to do without him. Um, but I'm sure if you, you know, probably <laughs> did it now, you could probably do it. <laughs> But, um, but yeah, I love that about Father. Yeah, for, for me, though, I think uh, my, my relationship with my dad being very practical, very active, I think it's taught me to connect with Father God in, in a really practical and active ways. And so, you know, when I'm going so out doing practical things, when we're doing a, a food drop, when we're going on an outreach, when we're, we're doing things, doing life together, um, I, I, I find I connect with Father God best in those ways uh, when we're, we're actively, you know, doing whatever it is that we're doing. And so, yeah, I think that, that helps me to connect with Father in, in everyday type of activities. Um, I, I just I find I, I thrive in those moments to be practical, do something, and, and be fully aware of God's presence, that He's there with you the same way that I could be cycling with my dad and maybe, you know, He's in front of me or behind me or, or, or whatever. Maybe not talking, but we're fully aware of being together and, and of his presence. And so I, I think, yeah, for me, it's been a big, um, big blessing just uh, being aware of Father's presence in doing a lot of these practical things. John, how about you? you want to say I just wanted to, to jump on that. So something that I've really loved um, is that Daryl is so brilliant at that. He's so brilliant yes. at just having fun with as a father. And I really learned a lot about Father God through watching him father our daughters, which is a whole other dimension of learning about fathers. And that's been, like, um, I think this morning I just said to him, wow, it's been such a privilege to just watch how you have fun with our girls and how you always just bring laughter and joy and you're so present in the way that you engage with them. And that has been like another whole aspect of Father God that's been opened up to me. Um, not that my father didn't. We obviously have memories of having fun and playing and, you know, but it's just been like a fresh thing that God's been working in my heart of just, you know, how incredibly fun and loving and involved he wants to be in our lives in the everyday silly little moments. It's very special. I don't think we should do this again. You're going to make me cry on oh. camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so good. Well, I think it's time for us just to, to wrap up uh, our time this morning. And, um, and just to reflect that we do have a good, perfect, heavenly Father. And that our earthly fathers can teach us something of who our heavenly Father is. Even if it is uh, an imperfect reflection, but there's something, each one of us, we can, can learn about a heavenly Father through our earthly fathers. And so we just want to give thanks mm. for our earthly fathers yes. and, and not put undue expectations on them, but to appreciate all the good things that we received through their lives. And I, I love the fact that we do get to have this opportunity on Father's Day that we can do this. We don't have to wait until um, a memorial service, a funeral, mm. before we can express our, our thanksgiving uh, and our appreciation, and um, and I think that that was a, a good thing that that you had earlier this year, in order to do to do that and to to go and spend some time with your dad uh, before he passed, and just to yeah, just to be with him and and appreciate um, the the good memories. Um, and so we 
as we bring our morning to a close, we acknowledge that we have a perfect, good, heavenly Father who loves us with an everlasting love and His kindness and His mercy new and fresh every day. And, um, and so we say, thank you, Father, that you didn't leave us as orphans, but that you reached out to us and you've adopted us into your family. And thank you that you've brought us, those who were far off, you've brought us close. And that we can have a love, acceptance, forgiveness. You've given us an inheritance. And thank you that all the resources of heaven are available to us now. So we say thank you for reaching out and loving us first. And we ask, Lord, that the love that we have received, that you would grace us with the ability to reach out to others because there's still more space in this family for others to come in and experience the Father's love. We give you honor and we give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you uh, to, uh, to you for, for, yeah, just this opportunity just to, to talk and share and, and give perspective. And yeah, so we just want to bless everybody at home and uh, trust that you have a wonderful Father's Day. And we look forward to connecting with you next time. Many blessings. Bye-bye.